Hi, this is Marta. Welcome to the podcast Invisible to Visible, where our goal is simply to make women more visible. We will meet once a month and discuss everything and anything that impacts a woman's day-to-day life. So let's talk, explore and ask many, many questions. In the world that strives to be more equal, why does it sometimes feel that when it comes to different laws and legislation, family life and the big corporate world, women are still often invisible? Well, grab a cup of coffee or tea, depends on your preference, and let's start. Hello, everyone. Hi, Ian. How are you keeping? I'm good, thanks, Marta. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here to talk about visible, invisible to visible, which I'm really excited to kind of talk about kind of a different perspective, I guess, the kind of dad perspective in, in particular. Yeah, brilliant. Because I always, I always approach the topic of equality from women's perspective. So I'm really looking forward to look at it from men's pers- uh, from men's perspective. Um, so let me introduce you first. So today with me is Ian Dinwiddie. He is a coach, a mentor, and the founder of Inspiring Dots. He delivers coaching, presentations, and workshops to innovative businesses who put supporting new dots at the heart of their gender equality strategy, recognizing the positive impact on equality and well-being of helping dads solve the challenge of how to be a great dad without sacrificing a great career. An ex-management consultant, twice um, a stay-at-home dad and an English National League hockey umpire. He was the co-host of 46 episodes of the Lockdown Dads podcast, where they interviewed politicians, PhDs, and international rock stars. He's married to Lisa, a lawyer, and they have two children, a 14-year-old daughter and 11-year-old son. Ian recently presented to the all-party parliamentary group on fatherhood. What's in it for me? And in the brackets, N. So, what's in it for men? Leveraging fatherhood for gender equality. I done it. I always struggle with, uh, with reading intros. It seems too long when you read it out like that. I think that's no. the problem. Marcia. I think it, it feels too long. No, it doesn't. It, it actually was just perfect because it really gives a good description of what you do, and it seems like you're doing a lot. So, let's talk a little bit about what do you do? Who do you support? Yeah, so I think the core of what I do is to look after men who are going through the parental transition, whether that's first-time fathers or second, third-time fathers, but focusing on the first year of fatherhood, often working with sometimes often working with men who have taken extended parental leave. Mm-hmm. So typically in the UK, that would be shared parental leave or, or um, sort of fully paid parental leave from their from their organisation. So the majority of the work that I do uh, on a coaching basis is very much through the organisational structures. I do a little bit of private coaching as well with individuals, men, it's sort of a range of kind of positions within what, what I call the dad journey. So often my private clients, their children are a little bit older, they're sort of four, five, six years old. Whereas my my sort of my kind of bread and butter in terms of the parental tra- transition is men who sometimes they've sometimes are not yet parents. That's quite intriguing and quite interesting to kind of explore sort of what they're concerned about, what they're thinking about. But much more likely, they are preparing either for a period of, say, three or four months of leave, thinking about what that looks like in terms of leaving the business, and then and then we'll have coaching sessions throughout that sort of uh, that transition. So a coaching session that might come before they leave, something during their leave, or and then another one afterwards, 
just kind of depends on what's going on, both in terms of their family dynamic and in terms of where the workplace pressures are. A lot of conversations often around, um, you know, what, how, do, how do I make dual income relationships work? I, I, I really like to hear that there are men who are really interested in it and they spend time and ask for coaching in that area. I didn't actually know this is happening, so it's great to hear this. Um, but and I want to talk about the private matter first. Mm. What su- what support that needs? What is the biggest challenge they're struggling with? Um, what do they find the most difficult? In that, let's assume in that transition uh, when the kids are very small and you're trying to navigate the the world at home and yeah. trying not to sacrifice your career because this is exactly what every single woman, of every single mom, is struggling with. Yeah. So what does that look like from men's perspective? Yeah, I think I think in sort of the overarching theme is actually it's a really positive societal change. I think mm. across the Western world in particular, where a new generation of dads are much more connected with this desire of having it all, which for 20, 30 years we've only associated with mums, only associated with mams. And that sense of, okay, I want to progress in my career, but I want to be present for my children. Mm. seeing more and more men feel the same way but also that and that and that collides with what's kind of what's socially acceptable in some cases what mm-hmm. is practically um possible what are the what what offer is out there for for new dads to to sort of access and i think ultimately ultimately in many cases it starts with how much paid leave can you get your hands on for individual dads, it's an individual family unit. It's very much about what can we afford to do. I think that's some of the some of the challenges around um, not necessarily the work I do, but the kind of broader kind of cultural piece is around. There are a lot of dads who will struggle with the dynamics of sort of certainly sort of new family life. Um, mm-hmm. How do I make this work? How do I have it all? But also finding that actually, on a practical level, we can't afford to do what we might want to as a couple. Um, or as an individual, how do we how do we make the most of it? But in terms of the problems that they're they're presenting, it's uh, it's largely about that sense of balance, a sense of worry, worried about their partner. Certainly, um, certainly, but um, men being worried about birth mothers. Um, in my experience, there's a sense of in you know I'm not sure what the I'm not sure what the statutory sort of framework is in Ireland, but I imagine it's not dissimilar to the UK. So in the UK. The statutory framework is two weeks of um, sort of um, £175 a, a week. And mm. something like a man on average earnings who takes two weeks of statutory paid leave loses something or has to invest in in that time, something around about sort of 1500 I think it's between 1500 and £1,700 to be able to do that. Now, that's a big hit for, average, for an average income family to take for those two weeks of leave. And so actually, it, it's a challenge. Okay, well, I want to be present. I want to be supportive. You know, we might have a difficult birth. We might have, um, my wife might be struggling with mental health issues. We're breastfeeding. There's all sorts of mm. things that go on in those initial kind of initial weeks that for a lot of men, they're told, society indicates to them that actually they're told your job isn't at home. Your job is to be out, which practically 
um, can cause challenges in terms of their own mental health. We know that you know extending leave for men improves mental health outcomes for for birth mothers in their relationships, and so those kind of things are playing together. Actually, for many men, sometimes it's about I want to redouble my efforts. That kind of provider and carer mindset. How do I how do I be a carer for my for my family, but also provide? Can I afford to take a step off the a step back? And maybe, you know, what happens if I'm seen as uncommitted in inverted commas? There's a lot of fear around how that, that works. Then you get into quite practical kind of uh, concerns around time for yourself, which, you know, sometimes you need to part that. Certainly, you know, a lot of the men mm. I work with, we kind of part that for at least the first six months. Kind of, well, you're not going to have time for yourself. No one is. You know, you're just going to survive this first bit. Yeah. <laughs> not as then, Night, day. There's no <laughs> difference. Yeah. yeah. you just got to park some things. But then we get, you know, so as, as mm. children get older, then we start to go, okay, well, you know, if, we, if we're both working, how do we make that? How do we make that work? How do we how do we do the logistics? How do we how do we work within sort of frameworks of flexible or hybrid working arrangements? You know, what's yeah. possible? What does childcare look like? It's a whole range of things that comes up. Yeah, you, you generally describe just my life in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, but you know what? I want to focus uh, probably a little bit later what this corporate world and the governor and the government can do for it because I think as you 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 rightly pointed out and I had this very conversation with a colleague of mine that I work with and he took a little bit longer I think about a month or maybe five weeks off when he's um I want to say second or third child was born and I kind of meeting him after that I was like oh my god if only all more men took that as an example had done it and he rightly pointed out to me as something that I never think of that much and we don't think of that much is that he was like Marta I I haven't done it before and a lot of men don't do it not because they don't want to it's simply because they can't afford it as you said the statutory pay in Ireland I don't know what it is about 250 euro a week if the company doesn't give you extra time off paid extra time off simply as a unit with the mortgage kids crash fees for the existing kids or the kids you already have it's just not not feasible Mm. but as rightly pointed out is um we and i have this quote noted here women are not going to be equal outside the home until men are equal inside inside it and it's really until that time where men are 50-50 involved at home, there will be no true equality outside. And I know that from my own example of having a successful career, which I think I do have, um, at the same time being very involved ma'am. But this is only possible because the boy's dad is 50-50 at home with me and he is involved 50-50. But that only happens because, first of all, this was something we agreed on a very early stage. This was a conversation we had before we had children of how much we both want to be involved. I was very clear saying, I am not giving up on my career. Yeah. So we need to figure this out. And also we both setting up a very clear boundaries in the work of what, mm-hmm. how, how we want the successful career, but we are not going to sacrifice our evenings for the career and this, this kind of idea of you know you need to set up clear boundaries at home and outside home for this to work otherwise it's just not going to work yeah and i think and i think that conversation that you had with 
um, with with, uh, with your children's dad is really important because a lot of couples don't have those conversations mm. at the start of the process. And so there's a lot of, I think, that first baby can be a real eye-opener in terms of equality yeah. at home. So yeah, absolutely, you know, you don't get equality in the workplace unless you have equality at home. And sometimes that mm-hmm. means um, giving up a little bit of kind of expectations or giving up some leave. Certainly, UK, you're transferring leave in terms of the shared parental leave mechanism mm. is a way of uh, sort of supporting dads to be more closely um, associated with their children's lives, but also to learn to make mistakes and to learn how to raise their children and to learn to be independent parents in their own right. The, you know, this idea that mother knows best, it's actually usually because mm. there's just had a lot more practice. You know, there is yeah. nothing, you know, short of breastfeeding, giving birth, there's nothing, you know, a dad can't do. And I, yeah. you know, I speak from experience having, you know, we said at the top of the, obviously in your introduction, top of the show, I've been a stay-at-home dad twice. Mm. I picked up with Freya at six months old when Lisa finished her fully paid maternity leave and went back to being a lawyer. And then I looked after Freya Monday to Friday full time for the next nine months. And then she was in nursery two days a week. And, and she's okay, so it's doable by that. It's absolutely fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm okay. Everything worked. Yeah, everyone out. is okay. So that, that that really key bit about having those mm. early conversations. I don't see yeah. that. I tend to see it more because I work with men who have chosen to take extended leave. Mm-hmm. They've chosen that they've opted into shared parental leave as a couple. They've opted into transferring leave from one of them to the other one. So they're transferring leave. They're indicating to their workplace that actually mm. I'm I'm taking leave. I don't have to take. Okay, mm-hmm. I've, they've they've already processed that kind of societal stereotype, um, yeah. and they've kind of moved beyond that. So I tend to see men who have already had that part of the conversation, but it still surprises me how few of them aren't having important, meaningful conversations about what it might look like in the next yeah. year, year and a half. How do we how do we make sure both of us are happy within this relationship? Yeah. We both get what we want, both professionally yeah. and at home. Exactly. And I think there's a little bit honest on the woman here to drive that conversation as well. I, I think a lot of times women just voluntarily take on all of that ourselves. I, I always remember about this conversation I had when I was on my second maternity leave. My best friend was on her second maternity leave. We have kids. We caught her our kids. Yeah. You know, we have, she has two boys. I have two boys. And yeah. we were on the second maternity leave. We were basically, I was actually on my second maternity leave. I was with my two best friends at the same time. Cool. So we had a great time. But um, I remember her coming back to work and she was like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to manage this. They're going to get sick. There, there are two of them now. Yeah. And what about pickups? And what if they get sick? And I, I remember saying, no, hold on. There are two of you in this. Mm. It's not just you. Why do I not hear about, I don't want to mention names here, but why do I not hear about, I don't know, John in better commas. Uh, you know, and she is like, well, you know, his job is more demanding. He's higher up and he, he earns more. It just makes sense. And I'm like, the reason why he earns more, the reason why he's higher up, it's because you voluntarily took on all of those extra tasks. And because mm. of that, you probably haven't applied for promotion that you well were deserved to and were capable to getting. Mm. So unless both, both parents equally recognize that this is doable if we both do it equally, um, there'll be no shift. And I think there is a little bit... As I said, women need to get more 
I don't want to use the word demanding, but a little bit, you know, clear, clearer or than expectations going forward. Yeah, I think you need to open those conversational routes. Mm. That there's a lot of, it's very easy, certainly the first time when you become parents is to default into those roles that you saw your own parents kind of role modeling. And when, yeah. and when the statutory structure around paid leave is very much, and, and also and how, much, how many businesses and how often they enhance leave that men can access. When mm. you see a situation that, so for instance, I mean, when I, when, um, when Freya was born, then I, I got paid statutory leave at the company I was at. I didn't realize that statutory leave, which was at the time, it would have been about £130 a month, £130 yeah. a week. I didn't realize you didn't get full pay materni- uh, paternity leave until I got my pay slip. I just assumed that a couple of weeks, you take two weeks leave, it was important stuff. This is way predates anything I do, you know, yes, to me yeah. now. And it was only my pay slip, so they never underpaid me. And then I asked, and they said, oh, no, you get statutory pay. So, and I looked up statutory pay. I was like, that's rubbish. I and mean, it's just yeah. genuinely, you know, we, for us, it didn't matter. And perhaps mm-hmm. you know, my naivety looking back is just kind of bizarre. But Lisa's workplace, Paid. I mean, it's different size companies. Um, Lisa's work pays paid a full pay for for six months. Mine paid two weeks of statutory pay. You can see yeah. that society pushes couples, especially heterosexual couples, in a particular direction, and they kind of say, "Well, actually, the man needs to go at work because he can't can't possibly afford not to." And and you have mm. the, and these dynamics within a lot of heterosexual relationships where you know possibly you know possibly. The man is older than, than the female partner, um, has had longer to build a career. There are expectations around gender and who's going to take leave. If we can't tell mm. in organisations who's going to take leave and who's going to work want, want to work flexibly, you can't discriminate against women. Brilliant quote from um, someone who, uh, my, my first ever sort of um, speaking gig actually was at a company called Actus, fund management company that my wife used to work at. And one of her colleagues who, who, who organized and set up the event or helped set up the event, she, we were, before we started, she said, um, said, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you in and talk about this topic is because when I first met Lisa, I didn't think Lisa, I didn't think she had kids because I didn't think a mum could do this job. And she realized how damaging that was for her and her prospects. If as a kind of 20-something-year-old woman that she felt that way about another mm. woman's prospects and opportunities within the workplace, just having children cut you off. And she realized I'd never have thought about that about a man. It wouldn't even have occurred to me. And so yeah. de-gendering leave and having, like you say, that 50-50 or equality, equity, however we want to position it. And obviously different relationships and different priorities. Mm. Um, and so you know one size doesn't fit all but if we get that right to get that right in the workplace it has to be better at home it has to be more balanced it has to be led by i would say intentional conversations about what it looks like and it might be a very sort of traditional caring breadwinner split um if both are okay with it that's absolutely fine but actually, we know, you know, it's, I imagine it's very similar in, in the rest, rest of the world, rest of the Western world. But in the United States, there's, there's, um, the, the stats would show that something random, I think it's at least in heterosexual relationships, 50% of women are either earning more than their partner or the same in terms of their, in terms of income. 
and actually this assumption that there are male breadwinners and female caregivers and that's just how it is just doesn't stack up to modern society but there is a lag between ex- generational expectations you know what mm-hmm. we expect what a good man looks like what a good woman looks like what what being a great mum looks like you know the bar's set so much higher for being a great dad quite frankly you know you get away you 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 get so much kind <laughs> of casual sort of um banter about being a hands-on dad oh do you know is it mum's day off oh did you did you dress your daughter kind of thing whereas mm. social yeah you get social issues yeah you know, the other way. or this phrase <laughs> like i i i often being told to or, or, or ask like so so the boy's dad is helping you and i'm like well, he's not helping me he's, yeah. he's not doing me any favors here he's doing his yeah. fair share of parenthood um so even changing language about it because it's so important it's it's really sends a language use really sends a yeah. message or like this idea of having working mom you never go to work oh you're working dad are you not no you just no. you just you're just a man Fam- but you are man. Work, working mom family man oh family man okay family man is the one that's that grates for me as well because you don't have a family woman mm. you have a family man same way and also working mommy in a sense it, it could be it could have a negative yeah. meaning in it but family man oh my god nothing better than a family man hero. nothing better yeah. absolutely hero yes yeah absolutely and it's and the, and the bar for what good looks like for a family man is is relatively mm-hmm. low. And actually, for a lot of men, and I, you see it increasingly. It's like men want to be more involved. They want to be more hands on. Yeah. And some of it is like, well, am I allowed to be? You know, there are dynamics within you know within relationships and in terms of um, certainly heterosexual relationships holding on to um, mm. holding on to the second shift or mental load, perhaps to the detriment of equality at home. And this idea of, you know, I do it wrong, therefore I won't do it again. That kind of thing was fascinating <laughs> to unpick. Um, and that doesn't help it. There's so many layers. Mm. I think there's so many, you know, a lot of it comes back to what can we afford to do, ultimately. Yeah. There's so many layers around expectations and yeah. And also, and I'm speaking for myself as a, as a mom, as a woman, you need to let go of certain things and be like, he might not do it the way you want this to be done as a taking care of changing the child or I don't know, dressing him up in a completely different colors that you would. I have two boys, so <laughs> dressing him up. Uh, but it's still okay. Yeah. Do you know, just let go of that. It's small things, yeah. do you know. But one of the one of the things you touched on there was um, men are scared of being, you know, perceived in a certain way. And I looked through your LinkedIn post and one of them really draw my, draw my attention. I took it down. Um, so most, fear, most men fear of being discriminated against professionally, missing out on pay, pay rises and promotions, and even mocked as reason for not taking time off. Uh, so, um, yeah, so that, that's, that's a quote from a BBC article. Um, is it? it? But that's yeah. exactly how women, that, the reason why men are being, feel like that mm. and are fearful of that is because that's what happens to women. Do you know, this thing called motherhood penalty, when you miss on promotion, yeah. miss of pay rise, being asked, are you coming back part-time or full-time to work? Yeah. All this happens to women. Yeah. And it's, it's obviously quite visible if men picking up on it. I was really positively surprised to see that that this is being seen and it's quite visible because that's exactly what happens to women yeah and i think 
a lot of, and it's an interesting one. We, I think a lot of the we we kind of need men to feel some of the pain. I think that women have mm-hmm. faced in terms of decision making, because actually, men in a, you know the majority of workplaces they have you know they have implicit authority. They you know the the workplace is built around a very male centric model of you know what it looks like you look at you know you know in the same way that schooling systems yep. built around um you know summer harvests and uh, and a stay at home parent you know you know these things are all built yep. in certain ways and actually you need in many ways to move the dial it needs to be men agitating for for men and being allies at the same time so that you know why that pre- you know, that presentation that i do every so often called what's in it for me what's in it for men is about helping men to understand the benefits of doing things differently of taking leave of asking for leave of getting the flexible working patterns that you want because actually and then finding some of the challenges that come with it because you do need you do need men in many ways to be more aware of the pressure points that exist within within their female colleagues um sort of working environment um Mm. in terms of the corporate piece it's striking that when I first start working with men, and we usually it's usually three or four sessions that we do, and we sometimes we have a chemistry okay. call first up. Sometimes a chemistry call is 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 you know me trying to build rapport as quickly as possible within the first session. It is noticeable that almost every single man I work with so talks about how supportive their line manager has been. They get mm. it. They've been supportive. You know, they've. You know, it might be a male one. They've, they've got children as well. Or you know, my ma- line manager's great. She works flexibly, or she works four days a week, and she understands what I'm trying to do. They almost, almost always reference how important line managers were in terms of a gatekeeper of what we're seen as possible to do. So you can have the most amazing policies at the top being squeezed, pushed downwards, and existing. If if managers are, are putting people off, putting men off in particular, mm-hmm. and going, ah, oh, you know, you can't. You, if you take leave, you're not going to get promoted. When in a lot of dynamics, you know, workplace identity outside of the financial benefits for for family units, workplace identity, men are much more likely to associate the, their personal identity with their workplace identity, which is why redundancy mm-hmm. hits men much much harder, and and you know because because we tie those things together if you're seen as failing if if a man is told you know right we've got this you know man, man knows you know new dad or, or or expectant dad knows there's great policies maybe there's you know there's in uk terms there's three months of fully paid share parental leave that he could take between i don't know month nine and month 12 of the baby's life and you know mum will take the first nine months he'll take the next three she'll go back to work he'll take over that and he's going to do that Mm. i can do this it pays fully paid we just got to work out the dynamic you know the the paperwork which you can never underestimate how challenging it is (laughs) we can do this and and he turns around and says to the boss i want to do this and the boss said you won't get promoted Mm. You know, that that job that, mm. that job that you want, you're not going to have it if you do, if you take this mm. leave. You're not committed, not interested. That could put a complete downer, complete dampener on those plans altogether. And the guys like, well, I can't afford not to have mm. that because actually we've built our future pros- prosperity, or the house move is based on on my income moving on, and it's 
and it's massively challenging because I don't see those men. I don't get to see those men because they've already opted out of that system. They haven't taken the leave and they only get coaching if they take the leave. So mm. coaching support in, you know, it's one of the challenges within um, the corporate space is that coaching support is associated with the parental transition and the length of leave that men take mm. and whether they take take extended leave actually the men who are really struggling are often the ones who aren't taking any leave at all and they've just plunged straight back into the working world and they've got one eye one eye on their phone one eye on okay what time do i need to leave what's what's the traffic like to get home when which mm. do i have to do i have to, to get to get back at you know on time to kind of support my partner and they're getting sort of left behind and actually i'm seeing the men who have brilliant line managers who are open it making sure that door stays open and they can take these opportunities and i think it's breaking breaking those um breaking those barriers between actually policy and the filter of line management is so so important yeah. for uptake i like when you mentioned the policies because that's exactly what i was talking um to a friend of mine um like two days ago we were just talking about the podcast and what i'm doing and um one of the things she mentions, like policy is one thing and a company can have the best policies in the world. But if they're not, if the culture is not there, that culture of supporting new parents, the policy means nothing. And I always feel surprised where, you know, a company would claim they have family friendly working culture and they like a meeting at 6, 7 p.m. It's a common. And I'm like, anyone who has a child and is involved parent knows that between five and eight, it's <laughs> yeah. just. It's a write-off. When you have small kids, it's a bedtime, possibly homework, pyjamas, nappies, whatever. Older kids is the after-school activities. It's just, it's just not, it's not feasible. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So um, what does the, corp, cor, in terms of the corporate leadership, the companies you're working with, do you see a shift, a real shift in that mindset? Uh, as you said, a few years, about, uh, years ago, even 10, 15 years ago, it was just man is there to work, woman is there to be a stay-at-home mom, full stop. Is there a shift in that? Do you see it? I think in some businesses, yes, some organizations, absolutely. Okay. The, in the UK, I would say there's a kind of a three, three-and-a-half-tier system, effectively. At the very top end, you've got organizations who have equalized parental leave at 26 weeks of full pay. So regardless of how mm. you become a parent, it covers it covers adoption, it covers single gender relationships, mm-hmm. it covers everyone becoming a parent. It equalizes mm-hmm. so that men and, and men will take it. So for instance, I think the, the detail Aviva, the insurance company, are very good at sharing the detail. They were one of the first to go to this kind of 26 weeks full pay parental leave. <clears throat> and they and I think their stats are something around about 80 percent of men, eligible men take at least five months of fully paid leave in the organization. So they've got amazing leave, but they've also got cult, they've mm. got a culture around it that men will take it, all these kind of things. You look at example of Japan. J- Japan has very generous um, statutory parent, uh, paternity leave, but men don't tend to take it because culturally it's not seen as something you ought to do. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, that overlay of culture is really important. So you've got these these businesses, 26 weeks uh, leave, and you've got obviously in between that you've got tiering of that. So some companies, two weeks of fully paid leave, some companies just doing the bare minimum. And then within mm. the UK, you've got a whole body of individuals, the self-employed, and it doesn't matter whether you're male or female, who aren't entitled to any paid government support whatsoever. 
So you're on your own. You're running, you know, as a share, as a self-employed individual, you are paying for your, you're, you're taking all the hit yourself. And so you've got this ma- these massive differentials between what's possible uh, and what's been offered. And then mm-hmm. you have share parental leave, which can be at statutory pay or it can be enhanced. And sometimes, you know, some companies go down the enhanced share parental leave, some of them go down. And for those businesses who do, often it's not about business case. So I had a really interesting conversation um, with Adobe, a man who, uh, Ray, I think his name is, yeah, Ray. Ray was the employee benefits lead for EMA and some other part of the world. Anyway, EMA for a <laughs> argument. And they, they'd enhanced their, their leave. They'd gone 16 weeks fully paid paternity leave um, across, all, across, if not global, then certainly across that sort of area. And I, I asked him, well, how did how did the comment, how did you build it up in terms of return on investment? He said, well, we kind of didn't. We went back to our values. We went back to the point that we wanted to be there for the moments that matter. That was one of our core values, mo- our, our, our um, employees' moments that matter. And we thought, you know, there's no bigger moment that mattered than becoming a parent. So now we've got 26 weeks mm-hmm. for our female staff, and then we've got 16 for our, for our men. Um, it does get a little bit complicated when you have, you know, you have you have female members of staff taking paternity leave because they're in a single gender relationship and there's no other mechanism because they're not the birth mother. Mm-hmm. It gets com- complicated and clumsy. Um, I don't I don't envy HR departments who have to try and navigate through that kind of thing, which is why some companies go to actually, regardless of how you become a parent, this is what you get. And so you've got that, and so they're leading. So they're leading the way, and some businesses want to lead the way, and 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 they want to put policies out there that will attract the next generation of staff and retain the ones they currently got. And the other and the other businesses are watching to see what their competitors do, and it's very much, and that's where a senior level, it's do we believe this is the right thing to do, and we go first, or do we wait for someone else to do it, and then we'll follow them great conversation with individuals in hr it's like well if one of these five companies these are our five competitors if one of them moves we'll move but we won't revolutionize the world i'll say yeah do you want to be a leader or a follower do you yeah believe it be a leader yeah be a a leader be a leader but not everyone's in that not everyone's in that headspace yet in terms of direction as, as organizations and you find that it tends to be financial services um law financial services are more likely yeah because actually so many of them do you don't want to be the outlier then and so it yeah. drags everything up i wonder whether there's a correlation between female being in a senior uh, senior leadership and making those decisions um do you know what i mean with the more female in the senior leadership the easier we make those decisions Maybe, maybe. Mm. I think the most powerful thing within businesses is senior men being parent. So it's what Elliot Ray would call yes. parenting out loud. Senior men, senior mm-hmm. male role models who are um, indicating, being very open about their, their parenting conflicts and their parenting yes. desire and talking about it and putting yeah. up that conversation. I do- and that's you know I do I do workshops and webinars with organisations and the most powerful the most powerful webinars are when we have a sort of three way conversation. I interview senior men, men who perhaps have taken shared parental leave who are in senior positions, mm. and they're talking about the pressures. They're humanising the pressures. They're also saying, 
I can do my job and, and, and work in this way and I can parent out loud. Now, there are challenges where it's fine for you because you're at that senior level. So you kind of, you know, the best ones are where you've got someone who's, who's relatively junior who's taking it, making it successfully, and someone senior. And you, and you end up, you almost, you strip back that sense of seniority within the workplace and you have dad-to-dad kind of conversations and for the audience you're having that you're vocalizing the things certainly for individual men who perhaps aren't hearing it anywhere else and not hearing about the pressures the balancing you know it's obviously easier if you're more senior and you've got more you know got more um, sort of funds and resources to perhaps play with in that sense but it normalizes the conversation. It kind of says, actually, we, I, as a man, I can do this too. That's my role model. And it's a little bit kind of odd because it involves putting fatherhood on a pedestal within organizations in a way that we don't for motherhood. But I think it's really important to open up the conversation. Mm. And actually, a man agitating for policies that are perhaps more commonly associated with how we support mums if we look at extended leave mm. is actually a really powerful way of doing things differently and sometimes men don't want to they like don't want to talk about it I, who, who, you know I, I don't want to show that I'm not fully committed to work that narrative is really strong but opening up the conversation is so important yeah uh, yeah yeah, I struggle with that narrative of if, if you want to have work-life balance, you want to be involved, mom, or whatever that is, you're not committed to work. That's completely BS for me. It's complete BS for me. Don't want to call it bullshit, but no. let's call it. It's my podcast. I it can is. use words. Don't want to use. Yeah. It is. It is. But it is what people, yeah. it is the thing that people, men yeah. in particular, men in particular fear is what I would call optionality. A lot of your, it's optional. To, if when When leave is optional, it makes it difficult to mm. take. If leave, if it's ring fenced leave, then men will take it. Mm. When you when it's shared parental leave, you're transferring, you're taking away leave, typically from a birth mother, even if it's well paid. You're saying, right, I'm opting into this leave. Now, if it's that's why shared parental leave in the UK doesn't necessarily work because men, it you know, stats about who takes it is quite striking. It's very white. It's very middle class. It's very high income. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, that's government's uh, government report into it. Um, so it's not very inclusive on all sorts of levels. But also, it's that sense of, well, you don't have to take that leave. And it's all about and that, that filter of line management, that filter of expectation can yeah. be quite, is a real power, powerful demotivator for men doing the sort of things that we know they want to do. Yeah, and the culture flow, flows from the top. So I like what you said that if if the management shows this by even if it's not reinforced, but it's shown as an yeah. example, uh, it means a lot. Yes, do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, last question: In do you ever lose hope? Because I sometimes, you know, doing what I'm doing and being probably a little more vocal than an average person uh, about equality. And as we discussed, there's so many complexities Mm. in this. It's not just structure of what's happening home, what's happening work, what's happening on the governing level, the coming personalities, the societal expectation. There's so much going on. And sometimes I'm like, I know I'm doing that for next generations. Nothing really is going to change much for my generation. But sometimes I'm like, oh, why am I bothering? So what's your attitude? Do you ever lose hope? Last um, question. <laughs> it's interesting. On, on, on several levels, it's kind of interesting. 
is an interesting question because I think occasionally I do on a kind of business basis. So the, we structured okay. in terms of uh, my relationship with Lisa. So Lisa's a partner in a law firm. Um, we we've always structured our our finances that we can survive on her salary, and that was the same when mm. she was earning a lot less and when I went on leave and I took a big, big chunk of time out, we structured around one salary. Uh, so I have the flexibility. So I have the flexibility with inspiring dads. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to pay bills directly in any, in any shape or form mm-hmm. because actually there still aren't enough businesses putting the coaching for dads high enough up the agenda, agenda for there to be a, to be, for me to be a breadwinner in inverted commas. Yeah. So that, that bit yeah. is a little bit, um, that's challenging, but I'm also, I'm very fortunate. And I see a lot of male colleagues who work in this space, just not be able to afford to do it. And I also see female, female mm-hmm. you know, I f- f- female sort of within the coaching space as well. But certainly for men, you see men with great drive who can't make it work. They can't make the numbers work. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, in that sense, so that doesn't get me down in the sense that actually, um, it's uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter in a sense, you know, um, mm. in terms of the finances on a kind of on a kind of macro scale. I think it net and otherwise, it's just it's just I just love working with my guys, and it's you know the testimonials, the impact, the kind of the rapport that we get, the rapport I get back from coaching. Um, coaching, coaching my men just gives them so much energy that it's you know mm. on an individual basis you know you're helping those men. They're very privileged men yeah. in many many senses, and I really admire organisations such as the UK Future Men, for instance, Music Football Fatherhood, who are seeking very deliberately to reach much harder to reach individuals, and that's where statutory government um, pay really matters. You know there are campaigns. Uh, in the mm. UK, which are at the moment being batted back in terms of increasing these, uh, increasing going from two weeks of statutory paternity leave to six weeks of fully paid uh, paternity leave. So it would mimic the uh, maternity yeah. leave. And yeah. that's backed by a lot of um, organisations who whose emphasis is very much on women. So this idea, actually, by supporting dads, you know, we make things easier, better for women as well, is really, really key. Organisations such as Pregnant and Screwed certainly support that increasing and improving statutory paternity leave because then men would have the opportunity that they wouldn't have to take this these financial calculations into account they could be present they could learn the skills about uh, looking after their children they could build much more equitable and uh, equal relationships at home and you know i don't think the world would fall over yes it would be a little bit more expensive but you know there are lots of things we spend our money on i think supporting parents through the parental transition and improving gender equality for everyone's a a good one to go for. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think we finished it. Thank you so much for for giving me your time today. And um, yeah, hopefully everyone enjoyed it as much as I did. Excellent, Marta. It's been absolutely pleasure to be here and to have the opportunity to uh, bend people's ears about the importance of uh, supporting <laughs> new dads as a route to gender equality. Thanks, Ian. No problem. for listening hope you enjoyed it as much as i did and see you next month